So what I want to share with you this morning, Jesse, as you know, has done a couple of sessions uh, on the series of Paul, Timothy and uh, Barnabas, which has been wonderful, and I'm going to carry on with that both this morning and next week. But what I particularly want to do this morning is to put a principle in place that all of this works from. And if we don't get hold of this principle, um, we either here as a church or we as our generation, uh, God will produce it in another one. But I don't want to miss out on that, and I know you don't want to either. Why should we let some of these things go? But... Um, I, I totally believe that the church is going to endure till the end. I've read the last page of the Bible. It's pretty exciting, and I know it's going to happen. Jesus has been given that responsibility, and he's going to make it work. But um, And he will finally, it's hard to understand, but he will finally bring the church, which is all of us, before the Lord without spot or wrinkle. Now, I don't quite know what that's going to look like, what that's going to mean. But what I do know is every one of us has been given some part to play in it. Isn't that great? It's just wonderful. So one of the things, the part we're called to play, one of the responsibilities that we have is that we have to make sure that Christianity, that our Christian faith extends beyond ourselves into the next generation. And it's been doing it for 2,000 years, and as I say, it will continue. But we cannot shift ourselves away from the responsibility for doing that. So the message that I'm going to share, I'll do the principles this morning. I will go through quite a few scriptures because that's important and then get into the practice, uh, a lot of the practice uh, next week. But the principle that I'm going to share is not popular in churches or in the world in the Western generation. It is not popular. I preached this message in uh, Brisbane and there was a couple of uh, leaders there from a, a big work in China and they came up to me straight afterwards and said you've got to come up to China and preach this message and they booked me immediately to go there for two weeks to preach it at their congregations and their leaders. Now unfortunately I, I was very excited about doing that. Unfortunately I was unwell at the time so I got a dear friend of mine because it was very late to um, go over there in my place and do that message. Now, five, six years later, he's still working with those people and those leaders in China. I see them once or twice a year in Singapore, but he's working with them in China to put this message into the ground floor. But I was swamped. There was a number of Asian people at that meeting in Brisbane. I was swamped with them, but got very little response from the white folk. So here we go. Let's work it and see what response we're able to make here. Malachi 4 verse 6 says this, He, he, being Jesus, will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. Now, the principle that God is speaking of here is ensuring that his community, which is his church worldwide, uh, continues from one generation to the next. And the prophet Malachi, because this is the last verse in the Old Testament, 
significantly. The prophet Malachi is putting the bridge between the old covenant and the new covenant and saying, this is the bridge. One generation will flow and invest in another generation. And if that doesn't happen, there will be a curse on the land. Now, don't think of an angry God bringing a curse. Think this. What has affected the Western generation most? Who has all the money? Who has all the power? Well, not all. It's not quite the right word. But who is controlling things worldwide on a global statement? The Arabs, the Jews, and the Asian people. What is the one thing they have in common? They work generationally. They work generationally. Now, that you can find other points... But one common point is they invest from one generation to another. Finance, wisdom, economic understanding. We can go through it, through the whole thing. They do that. It's sacred to them. The curse comes when we fail to do that. And the curse is by the effect it has upon our society. And the principle we're talking about is generational transfer. And there is no plan B. God has mandated this to work. It is part of his nature. That's why in the Old Testament, when he introduces himself, how does he normally introduce himself? Over and over again, he says this, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Why does he say that? He's saying, I am not a God of one generation. Your work cannot be achieved in one generation. I am the God of three generations. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's how I work. So God in the present is working with three generations always. That's how he works. There's his power. So what does that mean to us? In Psalm 90, the psalmist cries out and says, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. So this is requiring us to make our life personal, however many days I'm given and you're given. The cry of the psalmist says, make my life count for you, God. Make it count. Make it Work, make it be worthwhile and purposeable. And the way to do this, don't think for this morning, grandfather, father, and obviously grandmother, mother, don't think that. Think in the generations you are sitting in with your age. Because some people say, well, I don't have any children, I don't have any grandchildren, and we can talk about that later. That's not where we go. So think generationally, because all of you are part of a generation. So that this requirement sits upon you all. Psalm 45, 16 to 17 says, In place of your fathers will be your sons. You shall make them princes on all the earth. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, the people will give you thanks forever and ever. We could spend the rest of the morning on this, this verse, these verses, because Why will the people give thanks forever and ever? Because who God is and what he is doing gets presented from generation to generation to generation. 
And there is the expression again of God being the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So to be like him, we're called to be Christ-like, is to see our life not just in our own lifespan. Because I promise you, if you've received a vision and a calling from God, I promise you, you cannot achieve it in your lifetime. If you have a vision from God that you can achieve in your lifetime, it's too small and you've only got part of it. You haven't got it all yet. That's okay. That's okay. But you haven't got it all yet. What God has mandated for me in my life, I knew a long time ago, but I know far more today. I cannot possibly achieve what God's called me to achieve, and whatever years I have left on this planet, I know that for a fact. Yet, God has still required me to achieve it. So how do I do that? I have to invest what God's put in me into following generations, not just my flesh and blood children, although I have, not just my flesh and blood grandchildren, although I am, but it goes far wider than that. I'm mandated to do that. In Psalm 37, which is a great psalm, read it at home when you've got some time and meditate on it. But it talks about being trained for an inheritance. And it's all about who will inherit the land. That's what Psalm 37 is about. And in the literal King James Version, by the way, it's who will inherit the earth. So the whole psalm is important, but for the sake of time, I just want to pick up a couple of verses. It says in verse 29, the righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. Verse 34, wait for the Lord and keep his way and he will exalt you to inherit the land. Now, this is not just about salvation. This is a call on our lives to impact life on this planet in whatever way God enables and empowers us to do. And I don't care whether you're six or 96. The call is there. So if the righteous inherit the land, one of our mandates as God's church and this community here, and Jesse's already been talking about this, is to train each succeeding generation for the inheritance that God has for them. So a major role for the church is to produce a dynasty of leaders and influences in all aspects of life down through the generations in order to bring the following generations into the inheritance God has for them. Every church has this mandate. Every person has this mandate. And how do we do this? Well, the key is to make sure Following generations are born into the principles of life, of the kingdom of God, as a way of doing life that we have been shown and taught and had invested in us. Then as they grow, our role is to bring people into the leadership principles that older people understand and so they can then bring future people into their role. Now, if you're in your early 20s, and God bless you if you are, you have a lot of younger people here in this church and in this planet that you can influence. So don't just think this is just for old people. In Psalm 144 verse 12, it says, Let our sons in their youth be as growing up plants. How can you be a growing up plant if you're in your youth? 
because of the investment that's been poured into you at a young age. And our daughters, it goes on to say, as corner pillars, fashioned as for a palace. Fashioned? What does fashioned mean? It means somebody has shown you how to shape your life for your role in the palace, if we're going to get literal in this psalm. See, this totally negates the Western worldview that each generation is expected to work out their or experience life for themselves. Now, let me tell you something, and this is particularly for the young people, but it's for every one of us. If you do this Christian life on your own, without that input, you can only get as a maximum one-third of what God has for you on this planet. If you want to settle for that, fine. I don't, and I won't. If you do it on your own, will you have salvation and all that? Of course you will. But you will only lay hold of one-third because two-thirds of what God has for you are given to others in the generations above you. People, when they react to this, I say, search the Scriptures And if you can show me I'm wrong, I will publicly repent because I've preached this message worldwide for nearly 30 years. You will only get one third because two thirds of what God has for you has been deposited into the generations above you. Now, some of what the following generation have to get has been deposited in you to give to them. And that's where it's found. No plan B. The Arabs, the Jewish people, the Asian people, they all understand this. They don't start from scratch. Only we Westerners are stupid enough to do that. Or independent enough if you think that's a nasty word. See, children or the coming generations, according to the scriptures, are arrows that are shot across time. And this is how we beat age, and this is how we beat our hopeful three score years plus ten, because the next generation comes with a commission to take what God has invested in us and take it further. My kids, I'm a first generation Christian. I never encountered the Lord till I was 27 years of age. My kids were praying in tongues and moving in the gifts in age five, six, and seven. They're way ahead of where I was at their age, and rightly so. I praise God for it. However, my challenge is always them: see if you can get to where I am now, guys, because I'm not slacking off. You try and catch me. Run as fast as you can. Now, we have a lot of fun and jokes about all of that, which I won't go into this morning. But see, whether we are parents, grandparents, children, an older generation, God expects all of us to pass on to a generation following us the mandate that we were given and that we are learning to pursue. 
And this is the only biblical building pattern in the Bible. There ain't anything else. Genesis 12, Genesis 17, Genesis 18 says, if you can't bring the following generation in, what you are looking for will never be achieved. There's a promise from God. So we have a huge problem, we in the Western world, we especially with white skin. Because no other culture has abandoned generational building principles like this, like the Western culture has. And obviously there is meant to be a generational gap, and I don't have time to cover that this morning. But Malachi 4 verse 6 says, if you guys don't do this, The weeds and the enemy will have a field day with your generations. And the Western world is an example of this. So I'm going to tell you about a big word. It's not a swear word. It's called, it's worse than a swear word in my opinion. It's called existentialism. It's the champion of the Western world. What existentialism, let me give you the dictionary definition. It says a theory emphasizing the existence of the individual person as a free agent who determines his or her own development. I'm going to read it to you again. I think it's up on the screen. A theory emphasizing the existence of the individual person, me, mine, and me own, or whatever term you want, as a free agent who determines his own or her own development. So existentialism claims that each generation has to discover and develop all their own values for themselves. Now, it's not only the following generations that champion this. Many of our parents, and not so much, but some of our grandparents have. I know Christian parents today, listen to this, who are spending all their money like crazy in their older age, having overseas trips and fun and doing all these things, saying, why should I leave it to my kids? Nobody left it to me. I know I can take you to people who are doing that. What they are doing is commissioning the future generations to go begging to the people who don't practice these principles to provide them with a home, with health, with well-being, with a way of life and all of those other things because they will become servants to those who do practice the principles that God has ordered to work throughout creation regardless of whether we know him or not. See, the spirit of evolution suggests that each successive generation, that is the one following, is cleverer than the one that goes before. Because I hear some of you laugh when I try to use computers. Now, I'm not bad on computers, actually, so be careful before you laugh at me. But see, see, we watch older people in some areas and we think we are cleverer than the generation that's gone before us because some of the mod cons and things we handle better. Now, let's get real. Let's put this to the test. And I'm sorry, my voice is drying up, so I need some water. Let's put this to the test and get real. How many of you, you can put your hands up, have got a driver's license? Most of you. How many taught taught yourself to drive a car? Peter did. There's a few. Now listen, it's possible. 
you can teach yourself. But for most people, if you teach yourself to drive a car, by the time you're proficient, at least the car will look wrecked. Some people may have got run over. Some people may have got injured. It is better to go to somebody who knows how to drive and has a driver's license and says and say to them, could you please teach me how to drive? In most cases, they will save you and the people around you a whole heap of grief. Now, let me get more serious because that's a pretty simple no-brainer, but it's true. If you think it's best to learn everything for yourself and find your own way in life, or you think that's best for the next generation, make them tough, let them learn the hard way like I did, let them suffer like I did, and by the way, me personally, I didn't. But if you think that's the case, try meeting people who have taken drugs all their life, who have consumed huge quantities of alcohol or smoke cigarettes all their life if they're still alive and see if you want to be like them. Ask them. See if, did, if you had your time over again, would you have smoked dope, which was the current trend when I was growing up. I never smoked it, by the way, but it was very fashionable. Would you have smoked cigarettes? I have one family, I have done three funerals. It's not here, it's at a Catholic church. Funerals for three out of the nine brothers who have all died through smoking cigarettes. Every one of them, as I sat with them before they've passed away, has said, if I could have my life over again, I would never, ever touch a cigarette. Don't try it for yourself for 20 years. Go and see those people and ask them what they think. There's generational transfer right there. If you think pornography is great, go and talk to some people who have had their marriages and families and lives destroyed by it. And if you can't find any, come and see me and I'll introduce you to some. Because I have sat in lounge rooms and situations with people who this thing has been such a curse and a devastation on their life. Don't try it for yourself. That's dumb. That is stupid. Go and see some of the people who have tried it and find out what effect it has on their life and find out what is the best way to stop smoking. Come on, you guys. What is the best way to stop smoking? Never start. Then you don't have to break the addiction. Go and see some of these people and find out for yourself. See... What happens with existentialism is it disconnects us from our roots. And the further we are disconnected from our roots, the more lost we are. Now, the Western world has its roots in the Christian faith. So do many other cultures. But the Western world was founded on the Christian faith. The constitution we used to be part of, sure it's had a lot of amendments, was founded and influenced by the Westminster Confession, which was taken from the scriptures. Existentialism disconnects us from that and, and brings us into humanism and it says go and find out for your own self what's going to happen, now, now, what life is all about. Now here's what the enemy says. 
And we need to hear this. He says, come on, be a man, be a woman. Break away from your parents and the age-old foundations and come out and experience life from yourself. There is the call of the enemy. And here's what he's saying, brothers and sisters, so listen up. He is saying, come out and do this. And I will burn you so bad that when you return to the Lord, instead of using God's power to change this earth, you'll need to commission the Holy Spirit for years to bring healing to you, to put scar tissue over the wounds, and to bring release to you. And so I don't care how well you do without that, you do with that, because I have disempowered you from the work God has laid and the, the generations in the past and the generations to come, and you will be disempowered in the calling of God on your life. And he's calling to, now I'm not against OEs and, uh, all of those things and I understand the generations and how separate they may. My kids don't do what I did with my blessing and what I do. But we all drink from the same well. And we stand together as a family generationally in doing that. See, Satan doesn't want future generations to learn from the mistakes those before them have made. He wants them to repeat them over and over and over again. So at best, they only get one third of what God has for them on this planet. So here's what we need to do. We need to take what we have learned from the past and we need to push on and build something that will stand not only in our time, but in the times invested into the next generation. And I'm going to go into the practice of that next week. I just want to give you a little bit of a story. At age 13, my father started playing golf. I thought, hey, this looks looks like a good game. I'm coming too. And he was um, gracious enough to have me tag along. So after a couple of years, I was at school and instead of doing my homework, I was practicing golf and I got quite good at the game. So we were out on the golf course and I said to him, you know, Dad, sooner or later I'm going to beat you at this game. Now, my father was competitive and he was never going to let me win, but he shocked me in what he said. He turned to me and he said, yes, Bruce, and when you do, I will be the first to congratulate you. And I thought, my gosh, my father wants me to beat him. My father is never going to let me. He wants me to be better than him. He wants me to go further in the game than he can possibly go. And I did. At the age of 21, I took on a considerable size business enterprise. I had youth, passion, and the ability to work. My dad had wisdom experience and finance. We put them both together. The business supported me for all of those years. It still supports me today. I don't work it anymore. It still supports me today and will support my children and generations to come. Now, people often said, oh, yeah, but Bruce never made it on his own. He had help from his father. That was meant to be a sin. Now, these are not Christians who said this. This is in the non-Christian world. I like to say I made it on my own. Well, be my guest. The way I did it was miles better. 
and easier and a lot of fun. In 1984, oh sorry, when I first became a Christian was here in this fellowship. Hudson Salisbury met with me once a week for a year, non-stop, teaching me from the scriptures how to order my life. Then for 25 years, I walked together with Paul Jackson, who was, who was pastor here for 25 years, sharing everything in life, and he'd been a Christian all his life. He was way ahead of me in those things. In 1984, I met Dennis Peacock, who's 10 years older than me. He is my personal coach, my mentor, and we have traveled the world together, ministering, having fun, crying, doing all those things. And furthermore, every time Dennis was down here, and many of you will know him and spend time with him, Dennis always stayed in my home, and my kids were just kids then, and he invested in them as well. And a whole legacy of what we hold as a family, came through the investment of men in our lives. See, I'm also a product of this community and this church, Lane Park Church. I'm a product of Lane Park Church. I like that. And some amazing people who for 35, 36 years in this place have invested in my life. And that has enabled me, this is not about me, to travel the world, to preach and teach and to go all over the world for the last 30 years doing that. And and yeah, I have done the hard yards. Yes, I have paid the price. I have. But in the midst of it all, what has been invested in me has empowered me to invest in others. And everybody here is a part of that in my life. When I go out everywhere and do what I do, I represent you. I represent your love, your care, your training, your input to me and my family through this principle. And I wouldn't do this journey without having people in my life I am completely accountable to and without having people in my life I am investing everything God has shown me into their lives as well. So I want to finish with this. Whether I like it or not, I'm 60, coming up 64. Age is starting to creep up with me. And although I still love to play on the playing field, I really do. These days I'm much more of a coach than a player. And I'm seeking to invest as much in others as I can, firstly my family, but it goes well beyond them. And as I'll finish where I started, the assignment that God has given me in my life cannot be completed in my lifetime. But if the Lord took me home today, I would go home rejoicing in the fact that I've been able to invest in a whole network of people all over the place who will continue to do that work. Because it's not my work. It belongs to Jesus. It's not my way, it's his. It's, I, didn't make, I didn't make this up or invent this. I'm not clever enough. I got it out of his book. And I got it out of the investment of his Holy Spirit and people who stopped and took the time, often at great cost to themselves, to invest in my life. That's where it came from. And this is the essence of life. So I want to encourage you to come next week 
and hear how it works. And I'll pick up from a number of things that Jesse has done as well because there is a most wonderful part for every one of us to play in this and it's a very empowering message. God bless you. Thank you.